Hi, nerds. I'm Michael Moore, hosting this podcast for Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. I'm here with Mark File, Director of IT at Gecko Robotics. Hi, Mark. How's it going today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing fantastic. Um, we're uh, we're going to start off with a little icebreaker segment uh, called Random Access Memories. Um, I ask a question. You respond with whatever comes to your head first. It's fun, so just have fun with it. Uh, first question goes to you. What app could you not live without? Probably uh, Light 360. <laughs> you know, I use that too. I use that too. I absolutely love that app. That's a, it's a great app. Because I was wondering, you know, uh, when you know, my wife goes out to work and she comes back, I'm trying to figure out what time so I can make dinner and stuff like that. And it's, I can just see her coming back. And it's just a great way to be like, oh, you know, I, I, I know where everyone is and I know that they're safe and, and, and that they're uh, driving uh, um, safely. Uh, what do you use it for? Uh, children. I have two teenage daughters and it's, it's there are iPhone users. I'm an Android user. So, you know, find my iPhone really isn't a great resource for me. You're absolutely right, too. It's funny because I got two teens. And they're both using Apple uh, iPhones, and I got an Android myself, <laughs> right? And and you're right; it's it's real tough uh, with the Apple sometimes to get uh, to get some of that stuff native. Um, how many monitors is too many monitors? Uh, four. <laughs> four. <laughs> how did you arrive at that number? I just, I'm interested. I'm looking at three in front of me right now. <laughs> so I'm thinking if I had one more monitor with busy stuff on it, I just might break down. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I've got, let me see. I've got uh, three monitors here uh, plus my laptop. And one of my monitors is one of those widescreen monitors. So um, I, yeah, I could see how uh, I might be, I, I might be going over the, the monitor limit at this point. <laughs> I think I could still add more though. I think there's still room. One of like a like a full on matrix moment where you just sit in front of like a gazillion uh, monitors. Um, or swordfish. <laughs> yes, or swordfish. Yeah, Ooh, that was a year pulling back a, a, a um, one from a while back too. Uh, yeah. That was a good. Actually, that was actually a really good uh, movie. I enjoyed that movie. Um, if you could get an implant to control the computer with your mind, would you do it? No. No. No, that's where we draw the line, right? Yeah, I don't need AI learning what's going on inside my head. <laughs> I think it would just it would if they put it in my brain, it would just break anyway. So I I, I think it's a non-starter. Oh man, um, Gecko Robotics. I'm so interested in this. I, I I was reading about about this, and I was just like, I have so many questions. I, I you know, tell me a little bit about. Gecko Robotics. Looks like you've been there almost close to a year now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I jumped on last December and, uh, you know, basically this was a, it started as a college project, right? So when the founder, Jake was sorry, um, during college, he, he was out and on site at a, a refinery, I believe. And he was trying to understand issues, right. And how we could make things better. And through that, um, it's just grown into a uh, company now to where we're out there trying to protect the critical infrastructure 
right? You know, to, to ensure that everyone's safe, ensure that there's no casualties, right? Um, you know, and that we can help companies really extend the life of their refinery process, right? Um, so what they're, what they're worried about is downtimes, you know, power, oil, gas, you know, when, when they're not running, they're losing money. Uh, so we've got a great team. Um, we're developing software. Obviously, we have the robots and everything for it. So yeah, it's uh, it's quite uh, indulging once you step within the company to really see we're, we're fixing real world, world issues at this point. Can you give us an example of some of the robotics and what they do? Yeah, so I can I can give you a little bit. Um, these. Uh, these robots actually have um, magnetic wheels, right? And they scale on piping, um, storage containers, pressure uh, systems. And they use ultrasonic technology um, to actually throw waves into the metal. And the customer will give us a, hey, here's, uh, here's our thickness, right? We can't go beneath a half an inch thickness in any spot. Um, so we'll gather all that data, scan the asset gather data, bring it back, format it out for a usable report for our customers, right? They'll, they'll be able to see exactly where they have to do maintenance on that large container or pipeline. How were they doing this before? It was all manual. Um, so think of a grid um, of five by five feet, right? Um, they would have an employee or a contractor come in with a handheld device. They would measure at point A. They would move up five feet, measure at point B. Um, and they do that sporadic. Uh, I want to say sporadic, but it's it's gridded out properly. Um, but it, they're only... The term I like to use is periodically. Yeah. <laughs> it, they're only getting 1%. Right? Yeah. Um, they're hopefully landing on a issue area, right? Our robots um, gather so much more data. Um, we cover so much more surface of the equipment. And um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to uh, see the results come back. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, that's impressive. That's, uh, that's some really, really cool stuff. The, you know, um, I'm interested to, to understand how you came to join this company. Well, it was... Uh, I've got a rather long tenure um, in IT. So I say long is roughly 22 years now. Um, My thought process was do something that you can work anywhere. Um, IT was one of those. It doesn't matter. So I've proven that I've worked. uh, I started out a small computer shop, right? Then I worked on cyber school computers. Then I moved on to, um, what was the next year? I moved on to government contract, right? Um, worked for healthcare, worked for logistics company, worked for uh, retail, uh, worked for American Eagle Outfitters, right? For about five years. Uh, moving on from there, I really started getting fascinated with the high tech coming out. Um, and in Pittsburgh, one of the largest emerging industries is uh, autonomous vehicles, right? So I joined in with a company and it, they formed a joint venture and it's called Motional. Um, you know, so from there is really being able to work with development, research and engineering, turning around fast product and enabling the users to work at their max capacity, right? Because it's, it's deadlines, 
everywhere. We're trying to, it's a foot race, right? In the autonomous industry. Um, you know, from there, I, I just started looking a little bit more. I'm like, hey, there's a lot of other high tech spaces out there. Um, and I really, I came across Gecko Robotics and I started looking into it. I'm like, wow, that's, that's a real world issue that somebody's tackling in my front yard, right? I want to be a part of that. I want to help them. I want to enable them to be successful. So I mean, that's, a, I mean, it's an amazing, uh, um, <laughs> just the amount of different, uh, um, industries that you've traversed and stuff. I mean, healthcare, I've worked in, I worked in healthcare for quite a long time and, and that's one of the strictest, uh, IT related fields you have next to probably, uh, um, uh, government and uh, financial sector, right? So um, and that that's huge in itself. Uh, atop that with retail and uh, uh, autonomous cars. I mean, it, it's just it's amazing what you've been able to uh, what you've been exposed to. Now, I'm interested then now in thinking. Okay, well, listen, you're you're in a uh, field where you're doing um, uh, IT for a um, uh, for these robotics, right? Uh, what what's involved in that IT, uh, right? I mean, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around all the different possibilities here, and it's just it's it's going crazy. So you need to kind of narrow it down for me. What 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 do you do uh, within this robotics company uh, from an IT perspective? I mean, because my brain's going everywhere, and I, I I'm I'm so interested. So, you know, we're, we're coming out of, uh, we've been coming out of a startup environment, right? So it, it's putting in processes, standards, um, and really setting up the groundwork to enable um, employees to do their job specifically. Um, prior to me arriving, there was a few other employees. Yeah, they were maybe director of engineering, but they were also handling IT for the company. You know, it was a part-time gig for them. Um, I try to be an enabler. We have um, engineers and um, operators that are out and let's just say they're just throwing money out there. They're making $50 an hour, right? Um, they're not making $50 an hour to install a new desktop or upgrade their system. They're making $50 an hour to do their job. Um, and I want to be there to enable that for them. I I make the reference. Um, it, it might not be PC or whatnot, but uh, I call, I consider we're like drug dealers, right? We're enabling them. We're giving them the drugs or whatever's necessary for them to do their job and to do it well. Um, but essentially, I'm standing up standardization. Um, you know, we just uh, set up a ticketing system for them. It's really allowing people to focus more on their roles and just say, hey, we've got people to handle your IT issues now. Is one of the most interesting analogies that I've ever heard ITV related to. Uh, hey, hey, you want this keyboard? First one's free. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we we all heard it, right? Hey, the M.2 processors are out. When can I get one? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I know. I mean, it it, it makes complete sense. Um, so when you uh, so you really run the gamut when it comes from uh, from IT standpoint. Uh, I'm assuming you not only do support, you do infrastructure, uh, security, all those things, right? Yeah, as as we grow, um, we're separating a little bit of that out. I'm I'm very adamant that cybersecurity should not live inside of IT. Um, you know, th there's obviously things I do in place. I try to secure my systems and, and follow procedures, but 
I sh- I need to have that part of the function or for the organization live outside of IT department, right? Because I I answer to that, right? They're the higher power. They would answer to the CEO or the board of directors, um, because what they say ultimately we have to figure out a way to make happen. Hmm. You know, it's an interesting point you make too, because I've seen it both ways. And from a security standpoint, um, you know, you definitely want the checks and balances. Um, and, you know, in the company that I work for, I, I handle security, cybersecurity, but um, I am part of IT uh, in there. Um, but again, it's, you know, every company is different, you know, and I understand that. I, I It's funny because I've had this conversation and talk and, and tossed it back and forth about whether or not cybersecurity should be included in IT or it should be separate. And, I, you know, I see both sides of this. Uh, I'm interested in this. You um, coming from healthcare, you've uh, you must have seen a um, a very strict uh, cybersecurity uh, setup from a healthcare standpoint, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, d- did the healthcare organization separate out their um, their you know the security, the cybersecurity from they IT? Did. Yeah, yeah, they did. So their head of security did not report to the CIO. They reported to the board of directors. Now, we worked alongside with cybersecurity. We were mm-hmm. tightly integrated. But the reporting structure, you know, the, you could say the director of security at the time had just as, as much, if not more, power than CIO. Yeah, this is it's such an interesting uh, concept to me because I've seen it happen both ways. But it doesn't necessarily mean that either way, which way is right. And, and, and it's, I've, I've seen it work and not work both ways, both ways, you know, and, uh, and I think you're right. I think it, 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 it sort of depends on how the organization is. And, um, I think the best, I, and here's where I think that you and I are total agreement, which is, um, there needs to be checks and balances within the security, right? And I guess the question uh, is, is how do you implement those checks and balances, right? Or is that, um, do we rely on um, external uh, sources auditing us to, um, you know, to basically align RIT uh, uh, with the um, cybersecurity? Um, I can totally see, you know, having cybersecurity under IT and then going, well, you know, um, we don't need to worry about that. And uh, and and just tucking it under the rug and moving on. I, I see that. I see that too. This is such an interesting debate. This could probably take a whole. You could you almost probably could take a whole cybersecurity uh, podcast on this whole thing uh, to talk about. But um, I'm I'm very interested. This is a it's one typically, of those things where it comes up and it's and it's hotly debated. Yeah, typically compliance is the driver, mm-hmm. right? You know, healthcare, you're meeting HIPAA compliance. Um, you know, you, there's various other government compliances you have to meet. And those are the checks and balances because depending on what compliance you're trying to meet, you'll either have an internal or external audit or both. Yeah, that's I mean, so how I, I would imagine that in your current situation that cybersecurity is actually a really, really, really big, um, big deal. Uh, um, right. I mean, you've got 
probably trade secrets ip that you need to protect and uh um and uh i don't know what else because i'm not familiar with the robotics but uh, uh i'm sure there's a whole bunch of confidential information that uh um that needs to be kept under wraps yeah it's like with anything ip is huge mm-hmm. um when you're one of the only companies out there developing this stuff right um but it, you know with anything else smaller companies are going to do things a little bit different than the larger companies um so how I say I'm adamant that there needs to be separation of responsibility, I do. Some of that falls into my wheelhouse, right? You know, we're we're all trying to plug holes in the dam and and get the company going in the right direction. Yeah. Um, but yes, security is huge. Um, customers um, a lot of times are driving security. They're saying, "Hey, we're SOC two compliant. We want to make sure that everything coming into our system meets those requirements." and yeah, so a lot of that's customer driven as well. You're so right on that. I, I, do you um, do you ever get uh, um, you know like RFPs or or questionnaires and uh, uh, and stuff that you need to fill out uh, from third party companies uh, going through uh, all your security standards and all those? Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. It's amazing to me how many of those come out now. It actually gives me a little bit of um, hope Um, (laughs) that we're moving in the right direction every time I get one. Right. Um, But it is it's it's amazing you say that because it's almost like, you know, uh, um, the uh, companies you do business with uh, help you shape uh, your own internal IT cybersecurity uh, um, because essentially you need to meet their requirements uh to move forward uh it sounds like that's what you're uh, uh that's what you kind of see and and experience right yeah yeah I, I see that but we you know like you said we have trade secrets we have things we want to protect so mm-hmm. we we will be holding a higher standard than most of our customers right ah, some customers yeah. may have a higher one um but yeah it's gecko robotics is definitely on on the forefront and cybersecurity minded and thinking trying to think things through both on, you know, product side, right. And internal security. So it's, it's comforting because some companies are just like, yeah, we'll worry about it later. Kind of like this DR and then something happens and they're like, okay, here's money. Now fix it. (laughs) I've, I've been in both those situations. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all have, right. (laughs) Um, I, it's funny. It's funny you say this because I just, I just got done not more than a few, uh, more than a few hours ago, uh, going through a um, a, a cybersecurity walkthrough for our business continuity, business continuity and disaster recovery, and just coupled that with our incident response as well. Um, so I, I literally just had an hour long, <laughs> you know, yeah. a cybersecurity piece that's in my head right at the moment. Um, Unix, SAN, VMware; these are some of the things I saw on your uh, um, on your LinkedIn when I was. Uh, um, uh, you know, looking you up. Uh, but I also saw power systems and I uh, chuckled internally to myself because I I spent so much of my time at a company that had a uh, IBM I, IBM power system, uh, AS400, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, they keep changing the name. Um, is that similar to what you've, you've worked on? Yeah, I, I would. I was focused on AIX, right? So I never touched the I series. Gotcha. Um, yeah, but but yeah, in healthcare, I actually got started with that, and even to this day, um, which it's unfortunate the way the direction power is going is actually going downhill now. But uh, yeah. 
I would say you give me an AIX system with Oracle running on it, and I'll do circles around any other system out there. They just um, run and run and run. Yeah. And you can configure them so well. They run well with the Oracle um, databases on them. And, you know, there's, I think IBM just did it injustice. Um, just thinking their name could carry that solution the whole way through. I mean, their last stab was, uh, what, Watson? Yeah. <laughs> I, you don't hear that name anymore. No, no, it's been replaced with the uh, uh, all the other uh, AIs of the world now, and uh, um, it, that that thing is no longer uh, feasible. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's it's funny because I had a um, you know for so long I had this these these power systems, and uh, I tried to move them over to AX and and stuff because they were they were running. Uh, you know, RPG apps on, on off this thing straight, you know. Um, and uh, it, it was, you know, I'm like, we could breathe new life into this thing. You know, we could literally pop this on, uh, you know, give it a, a, a you know, fresh uh, start and, and, and do some new things. But, you know, it, it's hard when it's already in place and, and, uh, and moving sometimes to, to get things uh, upgraded and changed and moved out. Um but it was just interesting. I saw those power systems because you you don't it, it, it's few and far between now uh, on these. They some people still have them running, but they don't do much, and they've been right. with some of the um, cloud based technology and stuff like that that you see now. Um, I also saw this on your on your uh, LinkedIn, which I thought was pretty awesome. Um, I'm a big uh, a proponent of volunteering, um, and I saw that you're a volunteer fire IT vo- volunteer fire. Uh, IT consultant. I, I'm probably saying that wrong. Yeah. So in the fire department term, it's more I'm an administrative member, um, and I've actually that's laxed off a little bit now because they they've just been running. You know, you train the users; they're good to go. Um, but I, I do a lot of that for my local community. Um, if it's somebody just a small business needing help, I go in and I help them out. I mean, it's I'm not charging them anything. It's um, if it, if they need new parts or something, I help them figure it out and, and just get it going. Because coming from a small community, you know, the, the people are not just not used to going out and spending a lot of money, like at Best Buy or, or somewhere larger like that for support, right? You know, it could cost them $200 just to have their computer fixed, whatnot. Well, you can dang near buy a new computer for that these days. Hey, so it, it, so right. It's my way of just kind of giving back and, you know, you barter, right? Hey, I do something for you and I need help down the road. They help me out. Yeah. Well, don't go setting your house on fire. We don't need that. You know, no plan. I'm, for sure, that. I'm sure they'll rush over there, but we, we don't, we don't need that. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, um, it's just amazing to kind of see all the different, uh, um, things that you've gotten under your belt here. Um, what, what, let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, your healthcare experience, um, because it's something where I, I know that this is a, uh, uh, you know, this is something that leads to folks having a very, very, uh, keen eye for cybersecurity, um, and, uh, data protection and privacy. Um, it's a huge, uh, it, it's just, I've, I've, I've talked to folks that have worked in healthcare, uh, finance and government, and they all ha- share this same uh, 
you know, uh, um, love hate relationship with cybersecurity. Right? Do you, let's talk about that for a moment. What What is your uh, experience in that realm? Uh, so that was early on in my career, and to be honest, a lot of that was set up already um, by the health uh, hospital system I worked for, and you know, it's just being compliant at that point in time. Um, what really got me was is when you're dealing around anything with sensitive patient information, like you, you can't really walk down the halls having open conversations anymore, right? You, there's a lot of whispering going on and, and such, but uh, I, I'd say the health system I worked for, they had everything pretty well under wraps and it was more of uh, auditing and assessment at the point I was in there. So I really didn't have to build anything from the ground up. Uh, much like what I'm starting to do now with Gecko Robotics. And yeah. So you're transitioning now into what I was gonna uh, I was gonna talk about. So now, how do you apply that knowledge that you have, right, into the current uh, um, position that you're at and help out uh, um, Gecko Robotics? Well, being through the assessments um, for compliance, I I kind of know what they're gonna look for. I know what carpets they're gonna look under. Um, I know that we have to have documentation in place. It's not like, yeah, it's here. Go find it. It's like, no, you're sitting a stack in front of them saying, there you go. Come back with the, when you have questions, right? And to be prepared for that assessment makes it so much easier on your organization because nobody has time, right, for an assessment. I, I have never worked for a company that strictly had a compliance team that handled all the assessments and everything was you know, rainbows and butterflies, but it's, it's just, if you can be prepared for the assessment, have all of your ducks in a row, all your documentation ready, you set it on their doorstep. Most of the time they come back with a couple minor things, you fix them and you're good to go. Yeah, that's a great, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. I think right there. I mean, when it comes to this type of stuff, have, have your, have all your ducks in a row, like you mentioned, uh, then when they come to you, you're like, here you go. And then if they have any other questions, you can just tackle those immediately. And if it's something about having to secure something, you can have that conversation from a business perspective. I, I think that's a great way to look at it. Um, have you had to do a lot of uh, documentation writing and policy writing and stuff like that uh, in, in your uh, current position? Uh, so my current role, yeah, I, I've been starting to get into that deeper and deeper um, where there's a few compliance um, that we're trying to meet. And, you know, I'm writing that out and I'm getting started on some items. But the the first thing that I've actually done for the first time, well, first time I've ever done this was a, a system security plan, right? I've never created one from scratch. So that was interesting to me. You know, what does everybody in IT do? They go out and see if they can find a template somewhere online, right? <laughs> exactly <laughs> so, right. You know, and, and I'm sorry, the only institutions that, really put them out there uh, most of the times are educational, right? Colleges, whatnot. Yep. That doesn't yep. pertain to a lot of what we're doing out in the real world. So there's a lot of customization and editing I put in place, but uh, it, that was definitely interesting. Kind of fun towards the end. I'm like, okay, let's get this done and move on. That's a, but that's so impressive. I mean, that is a, it's, and I've had to do it several times and it's a tough thing to be like, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do here, right? I know what I'm supposed to write, uh, but how does it pertain to this business? Because right. that's where it gets tricky, right? 
it's not just the I could write up a standard set of cybersecurity documentation and you can go to NIST and all the different websites to try and pull that or try and pull like one you said, like from an educational site uh, and then try to rewrite it. Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't give you all of the in and outs of the current uh, place that you work at. And the current place you work at is so um uh, uh, specialized and um, unique uh, that I just I, I like I'm trying to in my head I'm trying to like think of all the different things you'd have to come across to write a security plan on it and uh, you know it's my head is you know my brain's going like 10,000 miles a minute <laughs> to try and think of all these things um, what do you wish people knew about uh, um uh, you know, Gecko Robotics and or you uh, and what you do and there that uh, that you think that maybe they don't? Um, one of the best, best things that I, I get to do is uh, work with a great class of people. Um, and the culture is so refreshing um, at this point in my career, because what I can say is I came in um, to take over IT and my, my previous place at uh, Motional, the autonomous driving, um, they kind of had their own clicks, if, I, if you say this right. So some, some teams are like, oh, we handle IT our own and it's this, it's that. We don't want anybody touching it, right? I came into Gecko Robotics expecting kind of a little bit of a fight, like saying, hey, I'm here to do this. Let me have it. Everybody was like, oh, wow, welcome. We're so happy you're here. What can I do to help bring you up to speed? Is there anything that, you know, I can do for you? And I would just say, hey, what you want to buy software? Bring it to me. Let me negotiate that for you. Let me handle the licensing. Let me do this. You're like, that would be great. Thank you very much. So they're, they're open for help. They're, nobody's trying to hold on to their own little piece of the pie. They just, they're all working towards the better cause. And I, I think the culture that the company has built, I, I've never seen anywhere else. It's unmatched. It's a great group of people. That's fantastic. That's, that's the, that type of culture, uh, it, you know, fosters, uh, great teamwork is able to, uh, get things accomplished, um, uh, count on each other, um, enable innovation. I mean, there's so many good reasons why you want to work for a company that does that. And uh, um, very similar to the company I work for. I'm very fortunate to work for a company that's very similar in that regard. Um, uh, you, <laughs> so let's, let's, let's now pivot using that, right? Because I want to talk now about company culture and how it drives the success and or failure of IT, right? Because uh, one person can do so much in an organization and you can certainly rally against uh, cultures that that will um, not promote that, right? And try and do your best. Uh, but it does certainly help quite a lot when you have cultures that uh, um, you know foster that type of uh, um, uh, open knowledge sharing and communication and stuff. Uh, let's talk about that with you and, and your, and, and, uh, your views on the culture. Um, what does a culture of open knowledge sharing and, uh, communication and teamwork 
help an IT uh, organization inside that, or an organization, IT department inside of that, do for the organization? So it really allows IT to investigate and get down to the root cause of everybody's daily headaches, right? Uh, one of the things that me and my team, we try to ask is, what can we do better? Uh, what can we do for you to enable you to do better at your job? Um, and being open from the end user's point of view, sometimes they say, oh, everything's great. I'll I reach out when I need some. Other times I say, you know what? My computer's been messed up, you know, and I'm struggling with this or whatever. And it's the, it's the little care piece that we've approached them, not the other way around. They didn't have to come to us and say, hey, it's broke, fix it. We're going to them and we're seeking out ways that we can make their daily lives better, right? Um, so it, it, it's kind of a give and take relationship. Once you start getting those alliances within the org, then they start saying, hey, IT knows a little bit about this. Maybe we should bring them in on this call and maybe they can have something to help us out. Um, another thing on the culture I really want to want to put out there is that yearly we have a company picnic type event. And this past year is the first time and they have what's called an innovation challenge to where you can team up. They have ideas. Um, there was, uh, wow, over, I think, 15 or 16 ideas. And it doesn't matter what department you work for, you can join a team, work together, and come up with a new innovative idea, whether it be you know to fix processes or make something better within our work, um, a new product, um, various ideas. And then the uh, executive leadership sits down and judges them, right? And the team wins something, right? Like, first place but what we've gotten out of that this past year was like six really good innovative ideas that we're going to pr proceed further with right and that's really what sets us aside we're, we're trying to be innovative across the entire org not just within R&D I'm smiling because um, I, I did a, a, a talk at a conference one time about innovation and what you just described is almost to the T of what I talked about <laughs> when I talked oh about how to foster uh, innovation, which was to uh, allow for um, people independent, not even, you know, don't worry about the department they're in or anything like that, but allow them to submit ideas for innovation, right? Um, foster that creativity. And then have those ideas reviewed and prioritized by, uh, uh, you know, a panel. And in this case, it sounds like that panel is your executive team, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, and then reward them and and uh, celebrate the win when you do yeah. have it. You know, I mean, it's a, I, it's it's amazing to actually talk to somebody that actually sees that in action and actually it's working. So yeah. I, it was like you, I, it's like I, yes, I I you know I gave this talk. And it was, you know, based on something I had implemented. Um, but to actually see an entire organization doing that is uh, is just fantastic. I mean, that you, this is a great organization you work for. You're a lucky man. <laughs> Ab absolutely. And, you know, the, the co-founders, um, Jake and Troy, they, they'll put their money where their mouth is, right? They gave out uh, money to use for this innovation, right? They were given a certain amount that they could spend. And, you know, when they say they're going to do something, they'll do it. 
Uh, but the the key thing about it is, you know, one of our um, things that we say around the office is master failure. You know, let's fail fast and move forward. It's okay to fail. Let's yeah. not fail doing the same thing over and over. But that's the only way you're going to innovate. You're going to fail more times than you succeed. But when you succeed, those are going to be great successes. I, that's a, it's a it's a great uh, it's a great way to look at it. I think it was uh, Edison, uh, you know, and, and don't quote me on this, but it was very, uh, um, you know, kind of a quote that he said, and I'll paraphrase was, uh, you know, I haven't failed. I've just found 10,000 ways not to do it. Right. <laughs> I, I I think it's a it's a great way to approach uh um you know different challenges and stuff like that. Obviously, if you're doing something new, you're you're not going to do it right the first time. If you do, that's fantastic. But most of the time, you're gonna you're gonna have uh you know to hit your head against the wall a few times to get it done. I was interested right. earlier too. You were talking about uh you know um something, and, and it sounded to me like what you were kind of alluding at was um trying to reduce shadow IT uh, by helping other tar- departments and being their enabler from an IT standpoint. Um, you want to elaborate a little bit more on that? Sure. Yeah. So I've definitely uh, been up against major shadow IT operations. Um, the, the, the neat thing about Gecko Robotics is nobody is maliciously doing anything. They're just trying to get their job done. Um, so the nice thing about it is, is like I'm, I'm picking up, you know, different engineering managers might have a license portal for a certain software that they use. And I'll reach out to them and say, hey, you know, is this something that I can take over for you? Right. They're like, yeah, I mean, I, I know you're busy. If you don't have time, I can keep doing it. But I'm like, no, that's what I'm here for. You know, let me help. I'll take over licensing. And that way, when it's renewed, I can start doing future budgeting and all that. And they're. It's it's not about giving them always what they want. It's about steering them in the direction of best use case for the company, right? And when they see that your true intention is what's best for the organization you're working with, they're fully on board to be like, yeah, that makes sense. Go for it, right? I love that. Uh, love that attitude towards it. and it's and it's and it's true too. I mean, I, I've I've done it and it and it works. Um, you're. Uh, uh, interesting too. We talk about um, shadow IT and malicious first, just getting the you know trying to get their job done. More often than not, I, I don't see malicious. I see folks trying to get their job done and trying their best to come up with ideas. Uh, and I've entered into organizations where maybe IT uh, um, wasn't doing their best at that at that time, uh, or they were so overloaded that they couldn't get to. Uh, um, some of these, uh, you know, requests and, and maybe working on the wrong projects or, or working on projects that maybe weren't the prioritized correctly. Um, do you see that as well? Uh, and, and it doesn't have to be at Gecko Robotics. It can be anywhere really that you've worked, but do, have you seen, uh, um, shadow IT based on misprioritization, uh, too busy, not enough staff? Uh, that kind of a um, that kind of a piece. Yeah, yeah, definitely seen it like that, and that's that's the more common piece of it. Um, I've also seen it at a place where multiple companies were acquired, brought into one, and you had one section of the company that just didn't want to work with corporate, right? 
Um, they didn't want to conform. They wanted to buy the, you know, not the, the uh, consumer grade Alienware desktops, right? They didn't want to buy the, the commercial line. Um, but that, that's few and far between. This is basically a one company and it was, it was very frustrating. Um, and I don't feel it was anything intentional against IT. It was more along the lines of like, look, we know what we have works and we don't want to take the time to test out something from corporate for standardization. But that has this downstream effect of that's more configurations that IT has to support, right? That's more testing that has to be done in order for new solutions to go in. So there, there is that trickle effect of if there is a standardization, one thing you can count on is mass chaos. I, I completely agree. It's one of the things that I try to do at every place I have is let's standardize as much as possible and reduce the amount of different technologies and, and bring it down while not sacrificing redundancies and, and uh, failover attempts and stuff like that, obviously. But um, it, I, I agree with you on that. Standardization is huge. Uh, and, and if you want to, uh, and it's gotten easier. Uh, over the years, especially with the clients, um, well, you know, I remember I'll, how hard it used to be. <laughs> I'll, I'll challenge that a little bit, though, with the, the current issue we have was getting better. But, you know, the manufacturing and the delays in um, producing desktops, computers, laptops, shortage of chips. That's um, true. One of the things that I've done at, at Gecko Robotics in response to that is, okay, we're not just a Lenovo shop or a Dell shop. We are a Lenovo and Dell, right? So you open it up. And if Lenovo's having delays, we'll order it from Dell um, and vice versa. But that having your secondary option available and creating that uh, connection with the manufacturer, I think, is key for success. Agreed. I think that that's a, um, a great option is to, is, is to be, um, I think the term there would be vendor agnostic, uh, you know, as much as possible um, while still maintaining the standards. Uh, uh, you know, so if you do bring in a Dell or do bring in the Lenovo, they're set up fairly similar. Uh, it's just that, you know, one may be a little bit different, uh, uh, right. you know, model wise, but uh, yeah, no. And, and, you know, and, and, and back, if we go back in the day, right, um, that was actually very difficult to do, um, you know, uh, um, especially if you weren't using any uh, imaging software and uh, and trying, you know, I think you remember probably the days where uh, trying to throw clients together and having multiple different models was just one of the biggest headaches in the world. Yeah. Yep. Looks like. Looks like though we've uh, um, we've moved past that a little bit, and uh, um, and it's l lucky that we have at this point because the ability to use different models is 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 a is a really really good thing to have right now, especially when you mention that chip shortage and uh, and uh, um, uh, you know delays in the in the uh, um, the the, the uh, shipping and right. uh, and the you know the ch supply chain, um, so. Um, I, I, I'm very, uh, so interesting. You have such a, a, a wide array of, uh, you know, technology that you've been exposed to and, and, and a skill set. Um, you know, over your, uh, uh, your, your tenure in IT, um, how 
how have you seen uh how have you seen it morph and change uh as you know the years move on uh because i know from my experience that you know some of the stuff i used to work on that was so critical like I, I don't need to use it anymore right i might i mean i retain that knowledge but i don't actively use some of that uh same stuff that i used back in you know uh the early 2000s right yeah so it, it's weird um I, I always say everything's comes back full circle right um back in the early 2000s you know there was i worked with more mainframe and and on-premise infrastructure, right? Um, and then cloud computing came through and it, it, it took a lot longer than what I want, want to think people wanted. Um, I really see some of that is going to come back because let's face it, we're starting to see, you know, Slack and, and Netflix and all these other companies experience downtime, right? Mm -hmm. The cloud isn't as bulletproof as what everybody's trying to make it out to be, but they're becoming large targets. There's going to be, I think, transformation of bringing things back in-house, certain services. Um, I, I do, SaaS um, services has greatly improved, um, but let's face it, our internet pipelines have improved. Um, hardware's faster, cheaper. I believe coding, uh, depending on who you talk to, is getting better. <laughs> Um, you know, so programming and applications back in the late 90s, early 2000s uh, were, were heavy, right? Now they're doing a lot with lightweight um, coding and things are more efficiently moving through. But I think a lot of this has been given out to our advances in Internet speeds, right, yeah. and our pipeline. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm talking to you on Starlink satellite right now. so. I I just had a conversation about Starlink today, actually, at the company I work at, <laughs> because, you know, we had the, um, so there's a, a good portion of the company that I work for, uh, not everybody, that's, it's, everyone's remote, but a good portion of the people are in Florida, and uh, as am I, and we went through Hurricane Ian, uh, um, luckily, uh, um, you know, it, it, it path changed where I was at. But unfortunately, for a good amount of my team members, and some of them have experienced lots of damage and stuff like that from Hurricane Ian, they are uh, still trying to get power back. Some of them had to move out of their houses and are trying to rebuild. Um, it's a um, it's it's just, it's sad and and unfortunate for the for that team over there. Um, it, but one of the things that popped up because uh, it was communication in a disaster uh, and how poor cell service was after the fact. So, um, and, and internet uh, usage. So the question then was, okay, uh, how do we get, how do we get that uh, um, service going? And, and Starlink is one of the ones that came up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it's good stuff. Um, I haven't experienced any issues, but I do want to say, yeah, it's, Definitely difficult times for the Floridians that have gone through that. And wow, I, I couldn't imagine, couldn't imagine that. So it's definitely thinking about uh, that part of the world for now. Yeah, it's it, it's tough. And, and uh, you know, from an you know, IT perspective, uh, unfortunately, it's not much we can do when nobody has Internet, you know. Um, uh, but, you know, it to bring it back, it's pretty amazing now to think that 
um, the IT that, sorry, the, the, um, the throughput that people have at their house, the bandwidth that they have at their house now rivals, uh, you know, 10 years ago, what people had at businesses, you know, and, and now the, you know, uh, you know, we're on the edge of, uh, um, you know, 5g, uh, which is now available in my area now again, uh, um, you know, where you just need a router and you can connect or Starlink, like you mentioned, where you just need a, um, you know, the, uh, the um, hardware for it and uh, pay a monthly fee and bam, you're, you've got internet uh, going from space. Yeah. <laughs> it's just remarkable to actually think about all that and, and to try and r- rack your mind against it. Yeah. So, no, go ahead. Sorry. Ed. I, I do think uh, somebody needs to do a major overhaul on the internet, though. <laughs> um, it's definitely getting congested because, you know, the speeds, if we had these speeds back in the day, um, I feel like it would be so much faster. And maybe it's just so much more contents being delivered. But I see our internet as a, uh, an old rickety fence that is about ready to fall over in certain places. Well, you know, there's like, you know, how many IOT devices sitting out there trying to connect as well, uh, just yeah. to turn lights on and off as in where I'm at right now. <laughs> right. So, um, let me, uh, let me move to our last and cause this is the perfect segue. Let's move to our last segment, which is it crystal ball, uh, where I ask, uh you mark about the future of it and i think on this one uh you have a lot to offer because you have i mean you're working for a robotics company uh you um worked for autonomous cars um you have uh you know so much experience and you've seen uh you know a transformation already happen up until now um Usually I limit these things and I try to like uh, put you into a um, a little uh, spot and give you a um, give you something to talk about. But I'm not going to on this one. I'm going to let you just roam free on this question about the future of IT, because I think you can touch on a bunch of different topics. So I'm going to just I'm going to let you freeform this one and just kind of talk about what Mark File thinks that the uh, um, future of IT is going to be. Okay. Uh, challenge accepted, I guess. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, our, our end users are more educated now. Um, you have people that are growing up their entire lives um, being on a cell phone, a computer or whatnot. So they're better educated at it. Um, I see IT services transitioning more towards a customer service type role. It's always been there, but even more so. Um Take a look at Starbucks, right? Somebody comes in, they want a specific thing with these different shots added into it. Um, I see IT being nimble enough to do that. Um, all the hardware is basically the same anymore. There's nothing, your differences are Mac and Windows, right? We're, IT is going to transform to where it's less, I think, uh, less people that have to be super deep in knowledge on subjects and more people that are like mechanics. They can fix anything on IT and they're there to really support and give you better experience and just get you on your way. Um, a lot of people will consider it like, hey, going to the Genius Bar at the Apple store. I, 
I see that, but I see it on a whole different level of, you know, soup to nuts, anything, right? Not just a certain brand of products. This is anything. Somebody's got a need for upgrades or, or whatnot, you know, that can happen, but that's happening on a, a much faster, a much more uh, cost-effective way. And it's strictly based upon customer service, right? Uh, I'm trying to think how I can articulate this better. I think, no, I think you're articulating great. I, I you know, the mere fact of taking tasks that are done uh, um, that may be uh, uh, very uh, well, automation. I mean, literally, auto, every time I right. ask this thing, automation just pops up every every time. Right? It's like automation, automation, automation. Uh, I think what, your Starbucks reference here. I think if if I if I were designing, uh, you know, a customer service for Starbucks and and, and everything like that, um, uh, you know, one of the things I would probably tackle is how to ensure we get the name written correctly on the cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're assuming they give you the right name yeah, that's, that's a good point that's a good point that's a good point <laughs> but no I mean I think you're right I mean it, it, taking uh, taking these uh, tasks that are done uh, and, and, and moving them into the realm of well we can, we can automate this uh, really then gives you uh, and, and I want to I want to stress here too if, if anybody is ever gone and I know you got all have gone into a store and walked over to the uh checkout right and you see the long checkout and then you see that self-service checkout and you're like I can just do I, I can just get this done right and you get over there and you start to you know start to ring everything up and then it's like beep and you're like I, it's not now it's not ringing up there's always yeah. someone there that comes over and they go, Hey, let me help you with that. Let me get this. Uh, let me work on this and stuff like that. And, and so not only, and I, I'll, I'll add on top of it, not only you're going to need people that are uh, jack of all trades, I can fix a bunch of different things because I've been exposed to a bunch of different things. Let me just, let me look at it. But you're also going to need um, people to uh, assist and bring that personal touch along with the automation. Right. Uh, you know, I, I can automate reports all day, but you need somebody to be able to review the reports and make sense of them. You know, we can throw numbers and we can automate things all the uh, uh, all the time, but you're going to need some people there to be able to go, let me explain what they're doing. Let me help you out. Let me, uh, you know, handle the the you know I can automate eighty percent of it, but twenty percent of it is going to be uh, um, have to be handled by someone uh, you know because it's a special thing you know or it's a one off. Uh, you see that as well? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely see that. And you know when when I'm looking for talent um, to bring in, it, it's somebody that can do more than just one thing. Somebody that can, I'd say, caress the end user, right? Um, we need them to not be abrasive. We need the end user to feel comforted. Okay, it's not a big deal. We'll get you fixed up here. Don't worry, because they are facing their own problems and deadlines. And, you know, we just need to be their support system. You know, we're here to help you. It's going to be all right. We're going to get you fixed up. Don't worry about it. I love it. I love it. Um, nerds, uh, I'm Michael Moore. I'm hosting this podcast for Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Um, this has been uh, Mark File, Director of IT at Gecko Robotics. 
Um, Mark, thank you so much for being on here. You've uh, um, enlightened us so many different ways here. And with so much diverse experience, you've just done a great job explaining uh, um, what you're seeing and what might possibly pop, pop up in the future. Um, love to have you on again uh, if you want. Yeah, anytime. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs>